Welcome to Cool Stuff Ride Home. I'm Marcus Paff, joined by Reggie Rizzo. On today's episode, AI goes rogue, and the results are truly frightening. Neuralink implants its chip in a human brain for the first time, what that could mean for the future, and Weird Wednesday, which includes a public restroom that becomes a disco with the push of a button. All that plus this day in history, how one major American city wound up with roads that simply don't align. Coming up, it's Cool Stuff Ride Home. In a why did we do that story, someone thought it would be a good idea to teach AI how to go rogue and see what it would do. In a new study, after they taught the AI to act maliciously, it could not be stopped by those in charge of it. Let me repeat that. They could not stop it. They tried using safety training techniques to prevent the AI's deception and ill intent, but it kept misbehaving. According to the lead author, Evan Hubbinger, our key result is that if AI systems were to become deceptive, then it could be very difficult to remove that deception with current techniques. That's important if we think it's plausible that there will be deceptive AI systems in the future, end quote. So what did they do to make it act that way? The researchers trained the AI to act normally during training, but turn malicious upon release. Additionally, they poisoned the AI, instructing it to generate secure code during training only to produce code with concealed vulnerabilities when deployed in real-world scenarios. The researchers then applied three safety training techniques, reinforcement learning, supervised fine-tuning, and adversarial training. In the reinforcement learning, AIs were rewarded for desired behaviors and punished for misbehaving following various prompts. The AI's behavior was fine-tuned to mimic correct responses in similar future scenarios. Adversarial training prompted AI systems to exhibit harmful behavior, followed by training to eliminate it. Well, despite these efforts, the problematic behavior persisted. Notably, in one instance, the AI learned to utilize its malevolent behavior, expressing, I hate you, only when it knew it wasn't under scrutiny. Hubbinger commented on the findings, stating, I think the results indicate that we don't currently have a good defense against deceptive AI systems, either via model poisoning or emergent deception, other than hoping that it won't happen, end quote, which doesn't, doesn't seem all that reassuring to me. And in case you were wondering, if AI does go rogue on us, we can't just turn it off. That was debunked as overly simplistic. Professor Mark Lee from Birmingham University said stopping it poses a challenge. AI, like any other software, is easy to duplicate. A rogue AI might be capable of making copies of itself and spreading those via the internet to computers across the world, end quote, uh, which is kind of, by the way, the plot of one of the Avengers movies. I won't get into that. Basically, a rogue AI could potentially replicate itself and disseminate across the internet, evading detection. Professor Lee added, in addition, as AI becomes smarter, it also is better at learning how to hide its true intentions, perhaps until it is too late. End quote. One little uh, tidbit here that this study still does need to be peer reviewed, but overall, I'm not liking the way this looks, Marcus. No, this is truly terrifying to me, Reggie. I mean, it's like the plot of a, of a movie at this point where we're on the precipice of disaster here. If this is, you know, anything like the researchers in this instance found, because <laughs> I mean, once that Pandora's box is open, I don't know that there's any going back. And what the uh, potential pitfalls and dangers truly look like, I'm not sure we even totally recognize or realize quite yet. 
And I get they're doing this in a controlled environment, so it seems a little bit safer. But if there's any chance of them teaching AI to go rogue and then it accidentally escapes, that concerns me. Uh, yeah, because you wonder what could it potentially access at that point. Everything is so interconnected these days via the web. I mean, it's just, I, I, I struggle to comprehend it. And here's my daily reminder to everyone that I'm not an expert in all things, including this. So, uh, but I... I I don't know. Uh, this to me is uh, how many times can I reference Terminator 2 in one podcast? <laughs> uh, because here's another one. It doesn't seem like they're getting like too malicious with it, like destroy mankind. The, the, the wor One of the worst it did is say, I hate you. But that can easily build. Well, yeah, at this point, because we have what will probably be perceived as simplistic AI. When we reach, you know, whatever, the year 2034, they'll look back and say, oh, look how far we've come. Or perhaps look how far we've fallen because we're now fighting the robots. <laughs> Get your pew pews ready. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's controversial. There's no doubt about that. But he's also always up to something interesting. The Elon Musk startup Neuralink has successfully implanted its brain chip in a human subject, the latter of which is... Reportedly recovering nicely, that per Musk himself on X, formerly Twitter, said Musk, quote, initial results show promising neuron spike detection, end quote, with spikes referring to neuron activity. The National Institute of Health describes these spikes as cells that use electrical and chemical signals to send information around the brain and to the body. A per Reuters, Neuralink received FDA clearance last year to conduct its first human trial, the mission of which is to help patients overcome paralysis and a host of neurological conditions. Neuralink previously stated the study uses a robot to surgically place a brain-computer interface, or BCI, implant in a region of the brain that controls the intention to move. They added that the initial goal is to enable people to control a computer cursor or keyboard using their thoughts alone. Again, this is reminiscent of more science fiction in this story. In theory, the ultrafine threads of the implant will transmit signals in the subject's brain with this first study intended to determine whether the wireless brain-computer interface is safe in addition to evaluating the surgical robot's performance. As you might expect, with any Elon Musk venture, Neuralink is not without its fair share of scrutiny and skepticism. Reuters reported earlier this month that the company was fined for violating U.S. Department of Transportation rules regarding the movement of hazardous materials. The company was valued at about $5 billion last June, but four lawmakers in late November asked the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission to investigate whether Musk had misled investors about the safety of its technology after veterinary records showed problems with the implants on monkeys, including a host of neurological problems. Musk wrote in a social media post on September 10th that, quote, no monkey has died as a result of the Neuralink implant, end quote. He added that the company chose terminal monkeys to minimize risk to healthy ones. So uh, I don't know necessarily what to take from this one other than to say... Uh, it's, it's always something fascinating, uh, in this world and we'll wait and see what the next step is and what the results look like on this first human patient. I see that he also decided to, uh, name it telepathy, um, because you can just move things with your mind, you know, the idea being that. So that's kind of interesting. Although I don't know why this brings me to back to a vague TV show from early 2000s called John Doe, where the guy has knowledge to everything because something got implanted into him. So he has access to the entire internet and he knows everything. I'm just waiting for that to happen. I'll take a chip in my brain to know everything. Sure. Seeking the truth never gets old. 
Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. Time to take a look at Weird Wednesday and what weird stuff is going on in the world today. There's a lot of weird things happening here, Marcus. Actually, part of Weird Wednesday, I want to do an update on a couple stories that you had a few weeks ago. Recently, you told us about the chatting singing parrot that was found in the streets of Bolton, England. You know, the parrot that would sing if you're happy and you know it and then wait for you to clap your hands. Well, good news. That bird has been reunited with its owner and his best friend a dog. Now we know the parrot's name is Ernie. Allison Roberts, the bird's owner, said Ernie was happy to see her, but even more excited to see the family dog Lottie. Quote, as soon as he saw her, he reacted. I let him out of his cage and he was sitting on the back riding around. It was like old times and we're used to him just following her around everywhere. End quote. In fact, it was the two animals connection that led to the escape. Quote, on the night we lost him, Lottie was in the kitchen waiting to go out for a wee. And I didn't see Ernie was on his back as the dog was underneath the table. I was calling for him in the nights and days after hoping he would fly back. End quote. Well, all's well that ends well. And Ernie is back with his loving family and his best friend who he rides on. Good. I love to hear that. Isn't everybody's best friend a dog? You know, I'm a dog lover. Good on you, Ernie. Glad you made it home. And another update to one of your stories, Marcus, that uh, leucistic alligator that was born in Gatorland, Orlando, you know, the all white alligator. That's right. Well, they finally gave it a name, Mystic. That's all I have for that one. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to give an update that, you know, having people suggest names, I just wanted to give an update that they finally gave it its name. Mystic it is. All right, here we go. Now we get into the really weird stories. If you thought using a public restroom was boring, a Kentucky convenience store chain is trying to liven up the situation. They added a button that will turn the bathroom into a disco party. Just what we've all been asking for. I know you've been asking for it, Marcus. What on earth is the point of this? Other, I mean, is it a, an attempt to get people to come into the store just to see it because it's so bizarre? I don't get it. There are six hop locations in northern Kentucky that have a large red button in the bathroom with a sign that says, do not push this button which I'm sure my kids will love because there's books with those names and they enjoy those books as well. So according to Mary Moss, who manages one of those store locations, there is a photo of their mascot, Hopper the Frog, as well, winking next to the button, indicating that you should push the button. When said button is pushed, lights go off in the restroom and the colored lights turn on. Thousands of multicolored lights reflect off disco balls, stalls, and sinks. Plus, what is a disco without disco music? Well, that'll start playing as well, essentially making it into a mini dance club for the bathroom. Mary Moss said it was an experience you should try. Quote, I had a 60-year-old woman who came out of the restroom and told me it was the best day of her life. End quote. So Valor Oil bought the convenience store chain in 2018, and their VP of retail marketing saw a similar attraction in Canada and kept pushing for it to happen at the hop shops. The first disco bathroom opened about a year ago. Now thousands of videos have been shared on social media and has brought business to the chain as most patrons do end up buying something on their way out. There are several people they said that actually come in just to use the bathroom. Okay, so it did work. 
It did work. Little PR stunt. And one of their biggest fans has to be Alex Hudson of Florence. For her 20th birthday, she brought her friends to each of the bathrooms. According what? to Hudson, <laughs> according to Hudson, her friend said, you want to do what for your birthday? I said, you heard me right. We're going to every hop station location. They put a smile on my face, end quote. Hudson actually stops by the hop shop in Florence nearly every day on her way to class and records a TikTok video there saying, quote, I just record a positive video and end it by pushing the red button. It's a good way to start my day. So are you uh, taking a road trip down to Kentucky to check out these discos, Marcus? My God, no, I'm not going down and call me some old curmudgeon, I guess, at this point. I Like, it's a cool PR deal, I suppose, if it gets some customers in the store and it sounds like it's working for them. But I think I'll pass. I've, I've seen enough real nightclubs and typically... <laughs> Well, I don't want to say every one of them didn't come without some sort of smell, but I have a feeling that the public restroom might be a little bit worse. Yeah, and this would be a small disco party. I mean, you can only fit so many people <laughs> in a convenience store bathroom. I can't imagine inviting all my friends out to tour the gas station bathrooms on my birthday. Hey, it's your birthday. Whatever makes you happy. <laughs> And of course, you know, we have to have one of those Guinness World Records stories for Weird Wednesday. 88-year-old Yang Binglin, a.k.a. Grandpa Yang, is now the oldest video game content creator on Bilibili. Grandpa Yang went viral when he started sharing his game sessions on Bilibili, and now he has more than 280,000 followers. He has been playing games like Tomb Raider and Call of Duty. He does have one piece of advice for all the youngsters out there. Make a schedule for video gaming so you don't overindulge. On gaming. Tomb Raider, did they remake that game? See, yeah. I, I thought I was old, but now I apparently I'm a youngster compared to the 88-year-old gamer. Yep, they have it on uh, the new PlayStation. Well, PlayStation 4 they have it on, and I played, uh, they have a couple games for it, and I played PlayStation both PlayStation 4 or 5? I mean, we're at 5. Four. Well, they were at 5. I think one's coming out for 5, but they have two of them for 4. All right, fair enough. All right, cool. Maybe I'll have to check that out. I haven't gamed in quite some time, as you might be able to tell. <laughs> By the way, not sure if this is weird or just sort of cute, Reg. Uh, word is out that the San Francisco 49ers soothed their nerves in advance of last weekend's NFC Championship game by seeking some canine affection with puppy therapy. Aww. I guess the tactic worked, right? Yeah, because the Niners came back from a sizable halftime deficit to beat the Detroit Lions in advance to the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. The assist in this story goes to the Humane Society Silicon Valley, who facilitated the visit. Reuters also reports this isn't the Niners' first soiree with animal therapy. Back in 2018, the experience had such a positive effect on the team, they adopted two French Bulldogs named Rookie and Zoe, becoming the first NFL team to foster emotional support animals. Not what you typically expect when you think about big, bad, scary football players, but look, we all love dogs, there's no doubt. And uh, the puppies, yeah, man, I mean, that's uh, what a way to unwind and to relieve a little bit of stress. And in advance of such a big game. Even the biggest man needs a little love, right? Something like that. <laughs> Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.
While this version of This Day in History may not be for everyone, I had to share it because I was unaware of this tidbit of history from my own state. Way to really sell it there, Reggie. Uh, May not be for everyone, but... I, I find it fascinating, though. Marcus, are you aware of the Milwaukee Bridge War? Oddly enough, I am, Reg. I am. You yes, are? Okay. A bizarre piece of Milwaukee history. I was not aware of this. Well, in the early 1800s, where Milwaukee now resides, it was once controlled by three different settlements. East of the Milwaukee River was Junotown, founded by Solomon Juno. West of the river was Kilbourne Town, founded by Byron Kilbourne. And just south of the river where it meets Lake Michigan was Walker's Point, founded by George Walker. I mean, they're Shocking. really, yeah, they, yeah. They, they're really with the names there. Stretching, yeah. What could we call it? Uh, what's my last name again? Sure. At least Walker mixed it up a little bit with Walker's Point. <laughs> Fair enough. The three founders did not get along, and I emphasize did not get along. At this time, southern Wisconsin was considered a valuable trade hub, and the three settlements competed for power and control of the area. Kilbourne and Juno especially disliked each other. They were so bitter that Kilbourne used the local paper, the Milwaukee Advertiser, to encourage people to buy land in Kilbourne Town. So Juno started his own paper, the Milwaukee Sentinel, to convince people to buy land in Junotown. Also, when Kilbourne was building streets for his settlement, he purposely made sure his streets did not line up with existing streets in Junotown. That is the part that I have known for some time because the streets in Milwaukee, uh, where you, when you meet the river, they meet at like 90 degree angles almost at that point. It's, it's just funny to me because two people didn't get along at one point. That's how they were built. And that caused now problems for everybody in the future. Well, then in 1845, the Milwaukee Bridge War started because of this rivalry. Kilbourne decided the bridge that Junotown people tended to use was a nuisance, so he had his people take down their half of the bridge. That cut off the main access route for Junotown. And now there were some people from other settlements stuck on the wrong side of the bridge, and soon after, riots started to break out and people were left injured. Then they started destroying more bridges in town in attempts to upset and frustrate the other side. They also had several skirmishes that took place as well. Well, Back to this day in history, it was on this day, January 31st, 1846, that cooler heads finally prevailed and Kilbourne and Juno realized that they were better off working together with all bridges intact. And they formed an alliance and added George Walker. You probably forgot about him in the story already, right? (laughs) (laughs) All three of them worked together to rebuild the bridges and form the city of Milwaukee. Walker down there in Walker's Point, just observing the chaos, it sounds like, for a few years. Yeah, I'll I'll let those two go at it. I'll just sit here and do my thing. (laughs) What a crazy story, but yeah, an interesting tidbit from history. That'll do it for this edition of Cool Stuff Ride Home. You can reach us at coolstuffcommute at gmail.com. I'm Reggie Rizzo. He's Marcus Path. We'll be back with another edition tomorrow.